Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Last week, we kind of like, you know, we struck a little bit on what it kind of meant to the natal chart, Mercury. And then we went more into the mythology of it and all that. So we could kind of start, you know, keep mm-hmm. that trend going here for the listeners and all that and for ourselves. Um, but I have in mind for Venus is desire, beauty, and order. And it's ironic because I heard order today from somebody else. And I never, not that I never heard order is associated with Venus. I kind of subconsciously knew. But when you think about it, order is beauty, right? Like things in place in the right, proper way, feng shui, right? Mm-hmm. And ruled, ruling Libra, Libra is the interior designer of the Zodiac and uses the Venusian principle to make things look nice. So order, right? Saturn, which is authority and order, also is exalted in Libra, which is a Venus sign, so it's ironic, but yeah, I heard that was probably today the most surprising thing that I I've like didn't kind of uh, digest at first. Mm. But Venus in the chart is going to represent what you desire, what you attract, what you find beautiful, how you give and how you receive, right? And uh, I feel like with us with Venus and Aries, we like to be the giver. Is that is that true? You feel that you feel the same way with Venus and Aries? Um, I think yeah, it's it's definitely a deeper in. Uh, internal desire. What you say? I'm sorry. You said with Venus and Aries. Yeah, we have Venus and Aries. You and I both in yes. our chart. And ha- I mean, I always felt like I don't like to be given things, but I like to be the one to assert and give and give the thing. It's always like I want to have the intent to be able to be the giver first. Doesn't always work out that way, but right. Like you don't like surprises or when someone gifts you yeah. something in a way like you do. It's a, it's appreciated, like what you just uh-huh. had received, right? Because Venus does, but. Venus in Libra is its home, right? Domicile, but it is, it is, uh, opposite is Aries, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't like to be in Aries. Um, so, and that's probably why, like I, not that I don't like to be given things, but I like to assert and be the giver in anything when it comes to mm-hmm. gifts, intimate relationships, sexual shit, mm-hmm. you know, like anything like that is I'm the person that wants to assert the situation and not be surprised with, you know, mm-hmm. uh, being surprised with some sort of, gifts. and you wanted to have like, you wanted to have like this real substance to it, like as well, like that. It's not value. Yeah, no, right. I'm not just giving just to give, like it's got to have more value to it as well. Like there's got to be a little bit more, it's got to be a little bit more meaningful and stuff like that. You know, I'm not just doing right. it just to do it. Like you know, that doesn't, that doesn't quench the, that Venusian, archetype kind of thirst in that yeah. sort of sense with Venus and Aries. Right. So, yeah. And, and so with, with the Venusian principle, we're looking at, you know, what we find beautiful, mm-hmm. the types of things we're going to desire, the types of things that we're going to attract into our life um, and our enjoyment, right? It's, it is the enjoyment and pleasure factor, right? Mm-hmm. So like I said, with the Venus and Aries, we're going to enjoy things that are Aryan. We're going to like, you're a great example for this because not only do you have Venus in Aries, but you have Mercury in Aries. Mm-hmm. You do enjoy a good debate. Yeah. Like you do enjoy 
with Mercury there too, you uh, 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 you know, a wordsmith debate, mm. you know, uh, slashing with words, and I could see you being attracted or desiring to be in that kind of warlike conversation and debate. Because yeah. it helps, right. it helps out. Like it also more so rather than on the external like part about it, it's also like, um. It's like really like self motivating in a sort of sense. Like it has like this, this sort of principle to it that just kind of gives you this, this extra push. It's like, you want to, you want to have that internal being able to like combat your own mind um, in, in being able to progress in what you're saying, you know, and, and take it to the next level further and stuff, what you're saying and kind of really bring out that, bring out that next level of self-expression and with the mercury areas and something like bring out that, um, you know, well, that I'm just, I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving through this and getting to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing as well. But you know, that has its downsides too. Well, and, and any, you know, energy yeah. does, but in this case, yeah, I mean, finding that enjoyment and pleasure factor within the conflict or within the debate or within the speaking uh, who who could speak the most harshly? <laughs> I think we've had that battle before. <laughs> yeah. Not that we've had it against each other, but we've had it where it's like who could say the most fucked up thing, right? And we both have Venus and Aries, and I feel like it's like ooh, pushing the boundaries, right? Another another Aryan type of thing. But yeah, I mean, not all, it's not all just about us, but we're giving everyone kind of like an idea of mm-hmm. when you look at Venus in the chart, you're looking at kind of like through the lens of receptivity, but you're also looking at you know the things that you're going to want to go get. And that, and with that, you're going to get a, get a great idea of kind of like what you, what motivates you, right? In a sense, like this mm-hmm. is the, if you are, uh, all of us humans desire certain things and within that desire is what there's been many nights where I've sat up in my bed and there, like I, the one thing that will really get me motivated is that idea of, uh, with an Aryan principle, uh, or archetype is the go getting and the embarking on a new journey and going on an adventure with with an intimate partner or within a within a topic i enjoy the pioneer mindset of like i'm gonna go into something and i don't even know what i'm gonna get and i and back to us real quick with that i know that we're also both the like go hard or go home with with females uh Hmm. we we need we need the um the challenge uh if we don't if we don't feel challenged or we're gonna like that we're we're actually it it is this weird warlike thing of like we need to be pushed to the boundaries and we want to conquer and that's why you know venus doesn't rule that right it is the opposite with being in libra Mm -hmm. we want fairness we want judgment we want peaceful we want aesthetically pleasing we want calm you know and that's kind of what i kind of get from Mm -hmm. the more libran aspect and why venus would sit at home in libra but you know us being a great example of what the opposite is is we find that libran stuff comfort the comfort of it within the opposite what in the opposite expression it's like yeah. a paradox and i've always felt that it, it, especially with saturn square my venus like i've always had this weird co- that it's a conflict like if it's too easy mm-hmm. i don't like it but if it's also too like like i like a bitch <laughs> <laughs> I, I i like uh but at the same time it's venus right so i'm mm-hmm. like it's like i feel comfort in the discordance yeah it's the weirdest thing. And and you know what though but the thing is though that makes sense though when when you really think about it because Venus is like a counterpart of Mars as well. 
and its right, detriment right, right. would be Aries and Scorpio, which is you know is uh, those those Mars ruled signs. So it, it's when you even look at the mythology, which we'll get into this a little bit uh, a, a little bit later when we go more into the mythological side. But when you look at Venus, Venus ha- was the um, you know it had a Martian type aspect, but in more of a in a fe- feminine requirement when it came to war. Well, Aphrodite being the goddess of goddess of war. Exactly. Like there was a goddess part of war because it was like, uh, uh, what do you call that again? When it's like the, the, the spoils of war and stuff like that. I think, I, I think that's what it is and stuff. So like right. there is, there also is a receptive. It's like, you can't just go and conquer and destroy and everything and stuff like that. Like there's gotta be some ground that you kind of, you know, cultivate in some sort of sense as you're moving through and, and conquering and stuff. There is a lot of that, you know, needing to kind of have that judgment of emotions in a sort of sense as well, too. And and being able to, uh, you know, delegate, you know, be able to rules of engagement. Yes. Rules of engagement. That'd be that'd be a great one and stuff like that. Even just how you treat your troops and uh, in that sort of sense. And um, not only that, all like the the back the back dealings and stuff and and everything too when it when it comes to that because it's like also Venus had part of those Venus has like part of those manners when it comes to um, you know like I know we said this a lot especially when it comes to Mercury and everything but Venus does have a lot of to do with uh, the the trades as well and stuff like that too like it it is it is still like the overseer of all those things and like, and, and measures and weights. Remember, we always forget, we always think of the Taurus side of Venus and everything, but also we got to think of the Libra aspect of it, like the scales, like that's how they used to, that's how they used to figure out how much somebody was going to pay for it was by the weight of whatever the object was by the weight of the coin. And, you know, they were, they were using that scale. Um, so it does still have to do with trades in that sort of way. Shops, you know, nice shops with nice things in there and stuff too. Like there needed to be like a glitz and glam a little bit to it as well. And I guess you could say that'd be like more the, yeah, no, I mean, it would be both sides of, of, of that archetype. I think of the war uniform, the uniforms. Yeah, there you go too. There needs to be an expression of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, right. Yeah. The flag, mm-hmm. you know, in a way it's like, and you're showing what what you are and who you are and all that and the very venus and leo and it's funny because venus is in leo right now and uh but like you know it's showing some sort of symbolic this is who the hell we are and this is you know and and it's warlike right Mm. because it's it's it has the tribal thing going on but it's letting people know aesthetically Mm. and symbolically this is you know this is and these are our you know this is our country and these are our values yeah and this is what we would go to war for yeah exactly it's like really containing that like whole reputation like they want to like it's needing to have that like in place and always and address that always and improve that and stuff like that which that comes with a lot of self-improvement which that's more of like the evolutionary side of like when we talk when we start talking about like the work with venus in that sort of sense as well that sounds like in self self-improvement reminds me uh a little bit of taurus too oh i thought you were gonna i thought you were gonna say i was thinking home improvement i thought you were gonna say something about tim allen <laughs> i wonder now he's gemini but uh yeah that the, the taurus aspect like building something and uh, like a home but like the 
the, the development phase of beauty or the development mm. phase of your values. You know, I have a Saturn in the second house, which is the Taurus house and limits restrictions, uh, taking your sweet ass time, finally getting what you want. Right. But like it, Saturn by the rules, by structure. And I have that in my chart and that's a Venusian house. And so, and it squares Venus in my chart, ironically. So it's obviously, a, a you know, some sort of archetypal play out in my own life, but yeah, like Venus in Libra is, I feel like not that it's forgotten about, but I do think off the top, you're going to, you're going to mainly think Taurus at yeah. first, especially because the feminine aspect of Taurus. And then with Venus is the, you know, the traditional feminine logo, right? You have Mars and Venus being masculine, feminine, and traditionally, like you can go to a certain bathrooms and you'll have, you know, the yeah. Mars and the Venus sign and all that representing women and men, which I do think is a farce, by the way, because I feel like when you learn astrology archetypally, masculine and feminine are, are you know, principle must be our favorite word of the month. But like it is like it, it, it's an energy state. And I feel like masculine is, you know, imposing its will upon something where a feminine is more on the receptive side of things. And when mm-hmm. so we think of Venus, we think receptive, we think Taurus, mm-hmm. Taurus being also a feminine side as well, an earthly side of that where libra is like the idea of order the idea of harmony um i I mean i guess with libra being an air sign we think taurus ruling music but libra i guess just in another way of kind of thinking about it music's played through the air without the Mm -hmm. air music doesn't exist right because the way that air particles vibrate so libra would be i guess that harmony factor and like the actual music being played through the air and the beauty and and order of that i feel like that would yeah i feel like that would be like the the like you're saying like the more etheric side of say something like music as well like the kind of like bringing it in the ideas and everything and stuff and then when you start getting to more of the melodic sense of the form and the structure of it and then it's actual you know it's actual presentation of it and stuff like that then it's like you know, you start getting into more of the Taurian side of it. So that's what's cool about Venus. And like, I also think that like when it comes to Venus, like it really, it really does play into the divine masculine as well. Like I say, it's just as much as the feminine. I mean, the masculine, masculine comes from the feminine anyway. Um, If we're going to, if we're going to say it in that sort of route too, but it's like, whereas, you know, if we think of masculine, even in the, in the, in the, sense of conception and stuff like that like no matter what venus and the and the feminine has oh its own initiating process just like mars and the masculine or something like that just like aries in that sort of way like it has to initiate something but the initiation is within itself you know it's you know so like when it receives you know there you know yes the initiation comes from say the male and when it comes to baby making it's like yes initiations there boom the seed it's it's brought out and and given and stuff too but yes the woman does receive it we always get that part too but there's an initiation process happening within that and stuff too where it's like its own little combustion they say on on conception and stuff like that too and at a microscopic level like it's like a boom flash of light like real quick and stuff when that actual conception process happens um like a like almost like a mini mini uh mini big bang um so, so yeah, so like, I think that's what, that's what's cool about it because it really, it really plays into, to both those sides and everything when it comes to that. Um, but also like 
once again, like we did say, I said a little bit with the market stuff, right? The balance and everything. But that's where Venus is like that quintessence of balance of, you know, that like, yes, it's always associated with the heart and like an emotional state and like that and stuff too. But like, there is that need to bring it, bring it in, you know, it's the, the emotional desire. So what could kind of come from it? And Venus has like this mag, uh, like magnetic type pull to it as well. And what's funny is too, is Venus does rule the heart as well in the heart chakra. And that is a very, you know, I mean, it depends on which way you want to look at it and stuff too, but a very magnetic center, you know, even just its function as well. And the pulse, the pulsing of it and everything too, the type of energy that's really behind it when you really look into it, which we're not going to go into that, but Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the mag- magnetic part being attraction, and that's where if you look at the sign that Venus is placed in in your chart, that's going to be the things you magnetically attract, but also the things that you're going to want to repel. Um, there's going to be aspects in that sign that you're going to find attractive, and that also things, especially how you know Venus is aspected in your chart, but these are the things on how you basically are going to relate to people, but also relate to the arts uh, how you relate to food. Taurus rules food, right? Gio, you know that, right? Working restaurant, mm-hmm. loving to cook, you know, big food guy, big, big Italian guy. You know, I like the Italy food and all that big culture guy. I feel like culture is just kind of another uh, uh, lens you could put it through. But yeah, so Venus, if you look at if you if you take that magnetism, you're going to see, you know, how the things are going to be attracted in your life that you find that pleasure and you find that enjoyment you find that balance in i do feel like um because i i've heard this before that venus does rule the calm state being in the calm pleasurable you know in the moment present moment type of state where so if you look at the sign also in your chart you're going to see what things can potentially do that for you so like and let's use ourselves as examples here again is so with a venus and aries i i love watching movies about war or watching movies about mm. conflict and not the prissy drama bullshit, but more so of like real masculine mm. conflict. And with say a Venus and Aries, you're, that's what we're going to look for, right? Like we find the enjoyment in that and the, even the resolution of it. And with, and it, it, like, like I said, you're going to get this magnetic pull towards whatever sign and also the house that it's placed in as well, which is more the sphere. You know, I have it in the fifth house so that's going to be more of the arts. Uh, I'm not going to say I find being around children absolutely enjoyable. That might be my Saturn square. Um, <laughs> that might, maybe, I'm not sure. I love I love my brothers and sister. I love, like, I don't hate children, but more so I don't, you know, maybe, and that could be the Aries too, but you have the Aries. So, I mean, it's, it mm-hmm. seems like you enjoy Well, it. I mean, don't get me wrong, bro. Like, even today, like, I had to bring them with them, I'll bring them with me, like, with all the errands I had to do. Man, I was, I was Aries all day. <laughs> And like using the, 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 the value leverage, you don't stop. You're not going to get nothing. You're not going to get no candy, nothing. <laughs> but, um, right. But yeah, no, I like what you said though, about the whole movies thing, because that's true. Like, I, I think also what a part of a part in that is, and I know that I definitely relate to this, especially with not just about like, uh, masculine and, uh, gunfighting, shooting and killing and all that. And like badass, like, I think we, and I think you could agree with this, liking that deep part in there where it's like that turn of events where it's like low key emotional. Oh yeah, of course. Where it's like, 
oh fuck you're doomed and then all of a sudden fucking there's just this major turnaround and it's like especially when it's like one character and then this other character comes comes out of nowhere you thought he was dead or something like that or it's like somebody who was supposed to be his enemy all of a sudden turns into his like the good like his friend or something like that and it's just like this mutual respect thing i think that really is like that you know venus and aries kind of like enjoyment and stuff at least for us as well yeah right and we, and we can mm. jump to another sign to give more examples and you know uh Mm-hmm. Venus and Cancer say, I got a buddy who has Venus and Cancer, Steve, shout out. And he has, he attracts people that are big family people, right? He attracts people that are, are or if they're not of family, they're family like. Um, he likes relationships that feel like family. And he said that without knowing astrology. I've heard him say that. Like, I love just getting together at a barbecue. And like having my friends around and it feels like one big family. I've heard him say that. And I'm sitting there going, Venus and cancer. That's of course you love that. Of course, that's the relationships you seek out. Same thing Mm. with even the music he likes, right? He likes music that's nostalgic, that brings him back to the past, uh, that will bring him back to a time, right? Uh, Big day to remember guy. Um, mm. you know, stuff like that. Funny. That's like a cancer band name, a day to remember. Yeah. Uh, so but yeah. it also reminds me of, uh, if, if I was to think of that as like a character archetype, Venus and cancer, I would think of like Vin Diesel in, in the fast and furious movies and stuff. Another good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah that is a good one. His line literally is, um, I got family, you know, it's like this right. whole badass thing. And it's like family, like that's, that's his shtick. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, and that's right. So you, if you look at you, right, that, and that's the perfect way, by the way, use an archetype. That's mm-hmm. why we've said we said it last episode. Yeah. Like, use you can use. We can't watch movies now. And I'll speak for myself, but I know you feel the same way. Yeah, true. Yeah. You watch movies, and like you're like, that's a this and this. That's a son and this. That's a you know. I'm a big Dragon Ball guy. I'm like Goku is big Taurus and Vegeta is big Scorpio. Um. And then I even have their moons and rising signs kind of picked out. But like, you know, because Vegeta is all about the whole show is about transforming himself. And Goku's already, you know, the strongest built like he's ready to go. He loves food. He loves to fight. He, you know, he finds the pleasure and enjoyment in the fighting and uh, big protector type of guy. And he's already kind of made it um, and finds just that he it seems like he has that Venusian enjoyment character that that flavor to his character. But I've, I do this with a lot of. You know, uh, mm. when it comes to movies, I'm big mystery guy, but that's my Pluto Scorpio. I think our whole generation mm. loves the death, the scorpionic stuff and all of that. And especially yeah. with someone who has a Venus in Scorpio, they're really going to find that comfort and pleasure within the mis- mysterious, within death, within, you know, those types of downtrodden type stories. So you could definitely do this with your the arts, which is Venusian mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I feel like actually a show I'm watching now that i think really embodies that especially more like the venusian aspect of really seeing just venus and it's you know in its own you know domiciles and rulerships and stuff like that but also maybe on more of the fire sides and stuff is this show uh yellowstone uh, i mean Everyone literally it's talking a, about the show yeah but they're fucking they're, they're all cowboys living on the land and stuff like that all these dealings but there's a lot of like you know head-to-head competitive shit shooting fighting there's literally cows everywhere all tauruses there you go and but like there's a lot of legal matters 
Liga, legal with the Libra, Libra part of yeah. penis and stuff. Right. But and then not only that, but there's all like there's also like this very like needing to contain your emotions, but have emotions and 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 portray them at the right time and stuff like that too. It's but it's crazy like that 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 I see where it's more of the Venus fire side, right? If anything, right? Um. So yeah, I think it's a great thing and stuff too. But you know, also what we were saying too is like about how you know where it's like you know when when doing like venus work like you don't want to be like too too much into the 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 um docile type area of when it comes to venus but like the thing is though through venus where as the opposite of mars where you get like a lot of that just go with it run anything over bull in a china shop type thing and shit um you know that's it's like venus absorbs and tempers whatever that male essence may be and you know it's it's it helps you would use that more so that energy to unite the opposites of male and female in that sort of sense i feel like and to bring it into mutual affection from what you just said um hmm. i would say and i think i'm i might be quoting rick rick levine on this but venus is what you desire to get and mars is how you're going to get it yeah exactly i think you're yeah. right about that. So it's like the masculine principle of how you're going to take charge and go get the thing that you want where Venus is going to be, well, this is what I want and this is what makes me feel good. This is what I seek for pleasure, you know, Mm -hmm. and that would then make sense also because now I'm thinking about you said docile, but I think I thought domicile, but it's exalted in Pisces, Mm -hmm. which is the arts, which is fantasy, which is media and Venus is its favorite spot to be in is Mm -hmm. in Pisces. And that's because I do think that it is the ultimate love, the universal love and, and uh, unity and pleasure and being lost in illusion of the fantasy of this and that. And that's the other, I guess when you place Venus in a sign like that, you're going to get someone who could be doing what we were just doing with the movies, but they're lost in that they are they are the archetypes they think that's all they think mm-hmm. is the archetypes they they get so absorbed in the fantasy of the arts or fantasy of the ideals of what what it is they value that they that's like the people you see go to comic-con and then they're like dressed up as their favorite character but then they're acting like the whole character for the whole day too mm-hmm. they're not even just dressed up like oh, that's yeah. i feel like that's like a venus pisces f- f- like mercury bodying it yeah and I also think a good embodied, representation yeah. too of that whole Venus and Pisces would be even who is it Michelangelo that when he said about or maybe I, I maybe I'm art, getting this art wrong. imitates life. Well, no, it, uh, it's about um, I mean or that life, too. Life imitates art, but right. where where it was like I'm not sure if he was the sculptor, but there was it, I think it was I thought it was Michelangelo. Uh, I could be wrong. Don't kill me on this, but um, where it was like uh, one of his. Uh, sculptures that he did, I forget who it was drawn. I'm drawing a blank right now, but he said he was like, I, I saw the, um, I saw the the person trapped and had to carve them out of it. Like you know, like it was like this fantasy oh. of looking and being like, there's just a block of of marble and stuff, and he saw something like that nobody else would see, and they made great detail within it and everything and stuff too, and like brought it into form. Like that's where I see the Venus water part of that is like really being able to like, okay, like it is the creativity and it is the everything. It is the bringing it into a mold and everything and stuff too, like forming it into clay and shit and, and stuff. Like it's really bringing that, that into there. Yes. On the more emotional yeah, side, I guess you could say on the more feeling based. And when it comes to even with certain relationships and stuff like that, 
yes, there is a tendency when you overdo it, just like anything, it can get it can get carried away too much and being like, well, I'm doing all these things and pursuing in this sort of way, buying them all these gifts, fucking spending all my money and shit like that and like throwing myself at them. But like I'm clingy, I'm needy, I'm this. And it's like it's like you're you're overbearing because you're in a fantasy and a delusion about the fact that it's like is this but like you don't even see that the person is not even reciprocating any of that stuff or you're doing too much. Right. Right. And so, and you could say, remember we said last week, like if you look at the elements of, and with these planets, you could really get a good idea generally of what these people are going to be like. And especially with this planet ruling relationships. And I said, Mercury was a really important one because it's, you know, your communication within the relationship and all that, but this is the desires and the pleasure and the feeling at like the feelings within the relationship and you can also correlate it to the moon it's multi-dimensional but you can you know with this mm-hmm. it's you know finding your 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 attraction to what what is it that is actually attracting to you within the relationship like what's making you stay what makes you love that person and it, these are going to be more through the five senses of why it is mm-hmm. you love that person right like i don't think because i think love by the way i think it's such a multi-dimensional word that you can't because most people will say like oh venus is love no it's not Mm -hmm. it's the it's the pleasure seeking part of love or the thing that gives the most pleasure and appeal is a good word i guess appeal to the relationship Mm -hmm. through the five senses and if you want to add the libra in like oh like this makes me feel balanced this brings me back to home right um and so with that yeah you're gonna get the love aspects but i do think you have to look at the moon for that you gotta look at saturn for that you gotta look at you know because most people will look at sun signs but with your venus you're gonna really hone in on what's the attraction on the physical level that's that's you know and, and an unhealthy venus like you're saying would be someone who's overgiving but maybe because they find a person so sexually attractive or they mm-hmm. get money from that person that they you know like that court case where the woman marries the old guy or not court case but like a bad venus story like a lower vibrational venus story is the young model marrying the rich guy i'm waiting for him to die you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so that's what i'm saying like there is that unbalanced part of it as well and stuff too but yeah like i mean basically even it's like has to do with also that emotional response but like it's that kind of energy from Venus is more so like, um, yeah, like I guess, I guess like the, how you perceive through the heart though, the perception through the heart in that sort of way. Yes. Like you even said before, like there's a lot of moon correlation when it comes to that. And we kind of broke that down with, you know, that, that feeling, right. The moon would be the processing of the emotion and stuff, but you know, this is the perception part of whatever's through coming the five, into that through emotion. The five senses and the body. And the perception could change on on the whim of a dime, more so rather than the actual processing of that emotion. You know, it depends if you stick to that that perspective or of something in that sort of way. Well, remember, and we could do this again because remember on the moon episode, you had really you made the correlation with the moon and Taurus, and how mm-hmm. the moon's favorite spot is being in Taurus. And so, mm-hmm. I guess with what you're saying with the perception and the the, I guess would be a good word, like the. I'll just say the perception of the appeal to the relationship, the mood can change and that's the moon really, you know, like that's, it's an interplay constantly with the moon and the perception of, you know, how you feel is how you're going to see things. 
So like your feelings mm-hmm. are going to per- affect that perception. So that's why I guess this moon Venus feminine quality interplays with each other so well because, and that's why maybe the moon is also exalted in Taurus in the Venusian sign because it, it's that fixed quality of I'm in love. It's like the honey. I feel like moon and Taurus is honeymoon phase. Like, oh my mm-hmm. God, this makes me feel the most pleasure and I feel so loved and I feel so, you know, in the right place at the right time. And, all, you know, I am satisfied and satiated sexually and, and uh, on, on a physical, emotional, mental level. And yeah, and it's like you synchronize and harmonize with with that frequency of whatever is in, you know, in in that presence. Right. And it's since the moon's how you feel and Venus mm-hmm. is what's going to be the appeal and the the pleasure based within that relationship it's going to affect your feelings so it's in an inter- it's an mm-hmm. interplay it's literally your feelings are affected what you what you perceive to be attractive and then what you find attractive also will affect your emotions we've all fell into the honeymoon phase we've also fell into the being almost um and it's so funny see how it connects venus being being exalted in pisces the illusion of the perfection of the relationship mm. yeah that's a big one right yeah. So that's another Venusian Pisces thing where, you know, it's exalted and loves to be in Pisces. But when we, we've all been in a relationship where we've been hypnotized, great Pisces word, into the perception, Venus, of the five senses of it being this amazing, uh, heavenly, I'm in the right place at the right time with the right person and they are my lover and da 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 da. So yeah, that's it's, it. Could it's be funny it, like it's, I, it could be like real stage five clinger vibes. I feel like <laughs> right, yeah. Clinger is a good one, and that's where before when I was mentioning the elements, that I feel like that's going to apply. I mean, I've met fire Venus signs, like uh, we have the Aries, but I've met like Venus Leo, mm-hmm. um, who's clingy. Um, but I would feel like that's more of the water aspect of it, like because it's connected to the moon. Well, you said you met a water. Venus Leo person that's like that and very clingy, but that would make sense because uh, that Leo would be like more of the needing for the self validation. Like that's that's where the yeah, clinginess comes in. It's like where yeah. it's like, tell me I'm pretty. Tell me I'm this. I want to. I want to. Uh, you know, like you know, like show me this, whatever and stuff. Like flaunt me, like stuff like that. Like that's what they want because it's me, 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 and you know, I'm not trying to say it about all Leos. God, you know, take it easy, Leos, but. <laughs> Right. No, you, you're you're not wrong. You know, it is the the self validation thing. Mm-hmm. It's a totally like make me feel like the queen or king that I yeah, am. Right. Definitely. And Venus and Aries would be like, bring us on an adventure. And if you're fucking boring, we're out yeah. of here. You know. Um. And then the other fire, Venus Sag. I feel like that would be like a Venus Sag would love someone who's blunt. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh. Like probably Venus Sag, I feel like would like someone who's funny, blunt, honest. Likes to go on the adventure yeah. as well. Someone who's not fixed in the way they see things. You know, big, someone who's big not blowout fights and then big makeup. I feel like too. Yeah, that's. I mean, and that could be fire in general. Yeah. But like, I do feel like because passion, mm-hmm. right? Fire being passion. But like with yeah, with the Sag, it's kind of like the. Uh, I feel like a Venus Sag wouldn't be able to sit still or mm-hmm. can't be in a relationship. Really true. Uh, that could go with the fire signs, but yeah, that's that's definitely probably more honed in on the Sagittarius energy. So yeah, that's what you're getting out of the the fires. I feel like can be clingy because yeah, it's that self validation or that or it, like if the fire goes out, it could be the other way around where they where it teeters off. So I feel like it's a different aspect of clingy 
where like if someone's lighting the fire constantly, mm-hmm. then it, they're going to be clinging because they're like, oh my God, they're lighting my yeah. fire. Like they're keeping, it's like, you know, but like at, at the other end, they could just teeter out. Well, exactly. Out Once again, really it's quick. like that, you know, because that, that could work out perfectly in a specific certain relationship and stuff like that persistent, like that consistency or that persistency, like may be good. You know, we're talking, we've been talking a lot about it, like, you know, in unbalanced sort of sense, but that balancing out of that type of thing may actually be applied very well, you know, but obviously in its correct doses, I guess you could say, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, hence, hence why you would need to look at your partners, this and that to see mm-hmm. the, and anything could work. So like, I'm just tired of that too. Like, it's like everyone out there look, using astrology as an excuse to like hate on this or not yeah. date that tired nonsense that to do that because you don't know the progress chart. You don't know mm-hmm. the, um, what's that called? The composite chart. You don't know certain things and it could be where maybe it's not supposed to be just all Venusian pleasure. Maybe it is for to date someone to be more responsible and to be more about order and about this and about that. Maybe it's not about, uh, you know, just pleasure and all that. And that could be, like I said, an un- the, like, you know, the unbalanced version of a Venusian archetype being played out in someone's life. So yeah, you look at the elements with all these planets and the more, more I've looked into it and it's someone who has a great video on this, by the way, Deborah Silverman has a great element video and you can watch that and watch her spurt out and she's a Gemini, I just found out, so that's why I resonate with her a lot, actually. But uh, yeah, she talks the elements, and when you really apply the elements to these planets, you're going to really see the tendencies more than just the, like, when you're looking at the sign in the house, you're going to, yeah, you're honing in, like, you're really going to uh, get the details with all that stuff, but big picture-wise, you look at the elements, like, uh, what, what haven't we discussed yet? Someone with the Venus and Earth. Mm. Right. Venus and Earth sign would be someone who wants stability, wants structure in their life, wants a partner who's going to go make money and make sure the family's taken care of and pays the bills and is about really setting the foundation and being earthly opposed to someone being flighty or all over the place or wanting to go on an adventure or take risks or is too feely, is too this, mm-hmm. too that. Yeah. I can definitely see that with the whole like even like Venus Capricorn, so, so to say, like uh, can be really like oh, best yeah. of the best. And, and like, Listen, I I know what I'm bringing to the table. Like this is what it is, and like being very conditional. Like I feel like too with, um, with like those types of relationships or partnerships or something like that too, because more so they know what they bring to the table. But also, it's more of this sense of feeling like in order to, in order to you know really, um, bring in what they need. <laughs> They got to create the fucking stabilization of like being like, this is how, you know, I expect things to be like, I feel like there could be like an expectation side of that as well. Let's again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing either. Well, yeah, you know, that, you know, that's it's boundaries, you know, having boundaries in that sort of sense. Boundaries is yeah. a good word for it, you know, and then on, on the other end, I mean, to, to speak on polarities of the earth, like, you know, Venus and Virgo would actually be opposite Venus Pisces and that would be mm. its fall. Right. Someone who's overcritical, like very not love. It's not it's not a lovable energy because I feel like you're going to find love through the critical details, through the do you have your shit together? But like on an on a on a certain microscopic level of seeing things so down to detail that it could be detrimental to the emotions and it's lacking emotions. Someone maybe with the Mm -hmm. Venus Virgo energy, you know, too too um, cerebral within the 
uh, definitions of what they find attractive or what makes them feel loved or or what they're looking for in love. I feel like a Venus Virgo wouldn't be able to make up their mind when you think they would, but they, you know, they're so detailed that they don't know what they want. And it's funny because that's that's definitely a play out with both the signs. Where Venus and mm-hmm. Pisces loves everybody, you know. Venus and Pisces is so like I love so many things that I don't even know what I want. So it's a funny thing that those two have that same element or same play out yeah. going on. Yeah, for I guess, sure. yeah, the very very analytical of of how the love is being displayed and stuff. You know, whether it's from from someone else or even how they do it and stuff too. So yeah, I think that's yeah, a, too I think calculated. A good yeah, exactly, and yeah. I could get a little. I could get fucking annoying. <laughs> Overcalculation can be very, you know, I mean, and look, you're a Virgo rising. I mm-hmm. have a Mercury in the sixth house. We uh, I have a Mercury midheaven uh, or sorry, Venus. Or, oh, my God. Virgo, Virgo mm-hmm. midheaven. And with that, that's my my midheaven ruler being Mercury in the sixth house of the Virgo, you know, domain. Mm-hmm. So I have I know I know what overcalculation can feel like. In a relationship, I don't, I've never experienced it because I don't have really that energy in my chart. Have I witnessed it before? I mean, I think I have, but definitely someone who's overly critical in the, in the area of love is going to have problems with love because love is spontaneity. Yeah. Uh, love is out of the blue. Virgo does not want out of the blue. Virgo wants to know. I think, and like I said, we were, when we were talking about Mercury, mm. right? Mercury ruling Virgo, when we talked about it last week, he, uh, the, the hermetic, view of you know the uh, critical kind of spontaneous uh, being spontaneous is not being prepared and a virgo is going to be critical about being prepared or mm-hmm. about having things in place and love doesn't work that way and i think we all know that that most of our great relationships out there most likely have come from spontaneity yeah there's gonna and a venus and virgo is just not going to do that yeah there's going to be a there's going to be changes and stuff like that and and times of needing to adapt in certain sort of ways and kind of having to restructure things in a sort of sense. So I could, that, that could be a problem for, you know, that Venus Virgo energy and stuff. Right. I could see. Um, yeah. But yeah, I want to kind of, I kind of want to like touch up even to like now looking at Venus and like more of like in, in an evolved stance or like when positively integrating Venus, you know, I feel like when we do that, like it, it, the ways of doing that, what it looks like, it would be more of like, having the awareness to have this reflection of ourselves in everything you know coming it coming into like that when we perceive our reality in this way that we learn that everything in life is uh and it's going to be how we take it in like and it's going to be how we even see ourselves like you know more so internal and then outwards in that sort of sense like you'll be able to every experience you can then encounter that 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 you encounter you then are able to teach yourself something through it and stuff and gain some sort some sort of value out of the experience in that sort of, sort of way. And if you can kind of learn from that, grow from those things, that's how you're actually integrating your Venus more in that sort of sense and starting to evolve it. Um, because you learn, and it sounds corny, but like you learn that, you know, life is not happening to you. It's happening for you. So it's kind of like you got to beautify your experiences, beautify your situations and and um, find the pleasures, pleasures in the discomforts as well. Right. And, you know, as you say it, 
in the Thema Mundi, the original setting of the Zodiac and its houses in the astrology chart, you have the first house, which is ruled by the, is the Aries mm-hmm. domain, and the seventh house is the Libran domain or the Venusian domain, and you just said mirror, right? So within the first house, first house of self is looking at the seventh house directly, which is the house of other And within that seventh house domain, I feel like you are going to get that mirror principle that Mm -hmm. plays out. You're going to learn about yourself first house through looking at the seventh, which is other people, other things, partnerships, um, you know, things that you find aesthetically pleasing, all of that. You're going to find out about yourself by looking at what's not yourself. Yeah, definitely. So that, and when you said the mirror thing, that that totally kind of, you know, and and you're going to get the best expression out of that Venus through understanding what is you and what is not you, understanding the self, the Aryan domain, the Martian domain of this is who I am. But sometimes we need that Venusian or other person partnership principle to really understand and to take a look in the mirror and to say, hey, this is who I am and this is what I'm not. Yeah. And that's funny, though, that you say mirror, because um, something I kind of saw about about Venus was that, you know, like, obviously, when we're talking about it in that sort of way, then Venus is seen as like, a guide to like the deep layers of the unconscious in this sort of way, you know, yes, we have that with the moon, but we know there's a correlation with Venus and the moon in that sort of way. Um, it does precede Scorpio. Yeah. And then not only that in the mythology and stuff right. like that of Aphrodite, that there was, right. she was emerged from the ocean, you know, from, from Uranus, um, Pisces. you know, dropping his seed. I know. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. After, after Kronos or Saturn had killed uh, Uranus, and its seed just went into the water and out came Aphrodite and stuff like that too. But what I was saying, so we're looking at it as like a deep, like rising from the deep unconscious in a sort of way. And those layers, well, the glyph of Venus is like kind of said to sometimes resemble a hand mirror corresponding, you know, to that, to that symbol. Um, oh, nice. And it's like a symbol for the mirror in our relationship with others. So then we also can associate that whole thing um, with the mirror and snow white. When the queen questions the mirror and says, who's the fairest of them all? And then the mirror responds yeah, yeah. and says, it's Snow White. And then what does she start doing? She starts raging with jealousy and envy. And that's coming forth through the psyche and story. So it's depicting like the unintegrated aspects of Venus when not in harmony, when we just lack that harmony, harmony of that celestial archetype. You know, it's it's, you know, it's asking us to address those issues of self-worth and why we need maybe some like the validation, you know, that we kind of think that we need sometimes, do we know how to self-validate ourselves in that sort of way um, rather than needing it from others in order to bring out this inner love within ourselves or this inner value within ourselves. So it, it there is, there is that self image part of it. I think, and that's the Taurus part because Taurus really is in the first, in the part of the instinctual part of self. It's in that part of the chart, right? So Taurus is, I I feel like Mm -hmm. it's going to be what I value and the Libra part of the chart, seventh house is going to be what other people value or Mm -hmm. me seeing my values in other people. If you want to kind of play the more positive end of that, you know, and I remember I have a seventh house son, so my son is in that domain. So I've learned a lot about myself through what is, you know, what my partnerships and everything else show me. And I, I had a, I had trouble just knowing who I was, but the feedback that I had got gave me the self-validation. And then once I hit a certain threshold of knowing who I am on a basic level, 
now I'm more in the Taurian, you know, and I told you, this is a big, for my chart, you know, me, 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 uh, this is a, a big part of my chart is with Saturn in the second in the Taurus and all that. It, there is that blockage of what do I value? You know, what, who, mm-hmm. who am or what do I relate to? You know, what are my own uh, values and, and what resources do I need to be of my true self? So the, the, I have such a Venus lesson to learn in this life because it's also squaring mm-hmm. Venus. So yeah, like it, it is that mirror. It's funny. I never thought of it as the uh, handheld. Well, that's uh, a beauty. Uh, that's the beauty of being able to look at each each one of these things in their own individual respects, because then you'll start branching off with each one. Like it, it gives you like that ability to focus. I think that's really why, you know, even part of the reason of even doing this series is because it's like, yeah, we may know a little bits in here and there. But when you kind of go into it deeper, you get to like focus in on one of these areas and then it branches out to others rather than just trying to make the connections off the bat. So that's why I think this is important yeah, yeah. and why even this is valuable in this sort of sense. It definitely is. And, you know, I, and I emphasized that, you know, when, when you pay an astrologer to look at your chart, you, they, they are to tell the story, but you, mm-hmm. you know, you do need to learn the characters and the environments and, and all that. You need the details in the story and that's what these are. So when you're looking at archetypes or the planets or the signs or anything else, the houses, you're looking at the set, the actors and actresses. You know, the uh, morals and points of the story, what, you know, where the focus is, where the trouble in the story is, who's the adversary, is it yourself, is it other people, is it your job, is it money, is it all that? So you're, you're seeing elements of the movie with, by observing and knowing the actual, you know, meaning of the archetypes and of the planets and all of that and what they actually mean. And, And really, it's when you get on camera and you start talking about it. And when you're not really kind of a practiced astrologer, like we, like we are astrologers at this point, but not practiced astrologers and mm-hmm. we're getting there. And like, I remember I said, like I, all I need basically is clients and more people to, to do this with. Um, but when you do start trying to really break it down and hone in, things come out that you didn't realize you knew or that you've kind of figured out or you have new epiphanies. And that's the beauty of knowing this stuff is it's mm-hmm. never ending epiphanies. Like, oh, you know, that's shit i didn't even see that i i think that's just never ending with astrology you're, you're just gonna never stop seeing the synchronicity and and different play outs of different things within the symbolic you know mm-hmm. um representations of the science of astrology it's it's amazing oh yeah that's really why is. that's why you, you always hear it said that it's a language like you have to you know learn to become a little fluent in it and i think fluent doesn't just mean well i understand you know how it works in that sort of way. But like when you actually become fluent with the archetypes themselves in that sort of sense, then you have more of the ability to embody that and, you know, in, in being able to kind of step into those roles that you may need to, or just pinpoint out what you're, how you're, how you're portraying something, how you're portraying those archetypes and stuff. And, you know, maybe you need to tone it down a little bit or something. Either way, that's just kind of how it works. You know, my mind right now is so um, tuned into Venusian things that in the same breath that you said mm. roles, I thought of delicious jelly rolls and also roles <laughs> of actors and actresses. That's literally, I'm like, th- th- that's what Venus would be in that. And that's what Venus would be in that yeah. delicious food and, and delighted, uh, you know, uh, delicacies and all that. But then also, yeah, the roles we play like acting actresses. Um, you know, playing personalities, being, you know, trying to play other people, be, you know, making a mirror for other people, almost expressing something through the arts that words can't explain, almost ex- like expressing 
a defined um, area of psychology or emotion and all that, but you're doing it through this symbolic, allegorical, uh, you're hitting the five senses type mm. of thing. Like playing a part in a movie is a Venusian thing. And like I said, this this is why Venus and Pisces go yeah. together so well. Pisces is the realm of movies and it is the realm of fantasy. And v- Venus is like, okay, so how do I play these mm. characters? You know, or like these are the traits and these are the things that and the, and the so if I'm studying a character, I need to know their values. I need to know their how they talk and how they speak. I need to know everything about that person to play. So you need to get into the Venusian aspects of a character to actually know how to play them because that's you're figuring mm-hmm. out what who they are and you're going to go through how they, you know, the Taurus ruling the throat and speech mm-hmm. and all that, how they talk, what, you know, and the things that surround how they dress, right? Yeah. All the Venusians. And that's the thing too, even with Venus, like even being, you know, you said even about the whole Pisces thing and, and we know that that's the exaltation, but that's even the funny thing is when you go to look at, see what Venus actually is elementally, it is the element of water. And it's like, wait a minute, but it's ruled by Taurus. That's earth. And it's like Libra. That's, you know, yeah, but it's ruled by water. Yes. We, it is exalted in Pisces in that sort of sense. But I think a lot of it also comes from the understanding of more of like the origins and the mythology of it and stuff like that. Like I said, coming from, from the depths of the water, um, you know, also coming from, coming from the waters, Aphrodite, but Aphrodite manifested in the waters through an action within the heavens. You know, you know, with that whole slaying of, of Uranus and everything. It makes sense, too, because mm-hmm. when we're birthed, we come out of the womb I was just, of the yep. water, right? Mm-hmm. And the other mythology exactly. connecting to it would be Ishtar, which is the fertility goddess. So fertility mm-hmm. would be another thing, right? Like the... Yep. Mars would be the act of penetration for conception, and then Venus is the receiving of the seed mm-hmm. and then and birthing something from the water. Yeah, and that's that's exactly that's it's it's the, even that type of culmination water too, where it's has that ability to form and you know have that malleability and stuff. And speaking of malleability, also the metal that rules Venus would be copper, right? And ironic. Mm-hmm. It's been, been the big talk this year. Yeah. And copper is, well, but first before that, though, it's like, okay, another synchronicity with the whole copper thing. Oh, my was God. Because Aphrodite. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I got one. I'm sorry. No. So, sorry. Uh, Aphrodite was said to come up out of the waters on the island of Cyprus in Greece, right? So, and that ends up being the home of Venus, but that's also where copper had been extensively mined, was in Cyprus. So there's that that little synchronicity, but yeah, copper is soft and malleable. It's easy way to work and shape into form however you want and stuff too. And this shows that reflection of copper with Venusian dynamics, because then Venus is also very sensitive, fluid, easily. Yeah, I know you're getting to that. That was the first thing when I was like, oh my God, I was like, why didn't I ever think about this copper? But its influence is flexible and it also has this, um, a healing property to it, but Go ahead, go on to the next part of it. Ah, oh, I got to get it off my chest because, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny that the North Node has been going through Taurus, which rules farming, mm-hmm. gardening, planting the seeds and all of that. And you just you just said that Venus is ruled by copper. And yep. in the newfound old science of electroculture, the whole wrapping the copper wire around, you mm-hmm. know, a wooden stick or whatever to put in the ground to feed that energy to the yeah, plants, earth energy. gardening, yeah. right? The earth energy the Taurian planting gardening mm-hmm. area of life and Venus being the, you know, having copper as its ruler and copper needed 
being needed in the science of electroculture. And please, everybody go check that out uh, to enhance the growth of the yeah. of the the crops. And it's just it so could. funny because with the North Node in Taurus and Uranus being there, newfound discoveries in gardening and farming. Yeah, it's like it's coming, amazing. coming back in that sort of way. But right. Yeah. Copper just as is as a high level of conductivity and especially for like warmth and electricity. And that's kind of what the process brings into it is being able to extract this um, extract and ground this energy and stuff through this easy conduction process in a sort of way. And, you know, what's the once what and what's one of the big parts of electric culture that it also helps with? It helps with plants not needing as much water helps them retain the moisture in that sort of way. Venus is mm-hmm. also known to be cooling and moist and stuff. And um, also to, to prevent it from um, getting frost, you know, that's also part of the electroculture thing with the copper is, is it helps prevent that from happening. So that's why you could kind of plant it a little bit early in the season, even when you plant certain things in early in the season, when, you know, maybe you'd have to wait another month or two and stuff like that too. It helps, it helps retain that and make some last longer towards the end of the season towards harvesting. So it's like, it has that same quality as well, where it's like, it's nurturing that perfect environment, that perfect womb, you know, within the lukewarm waters in a sort of way, you know, of the womb in that sort of sense. You need water to plant to, and to water the seed. Yep. And all of that. Right. And and also, as you're saying it, you kept saying conducive, right? Mm-hmm. Conductive property. Well, what does that imply? Relationship. Ah, there you go. Something Didn't is not about it that way. Yep, something is conducive when it, it relates properly. Like it relates mm-hmm. in a specific way that it is now conductive. It will it will produce energy. So, like you could mm-hmm. say, going back to natal charts, your Venus is going to tell you what you're conducive to. What's going to mm-hmm. feed the energy? What's going to be your electroculture? You know, it's it, yeah, yeah. Wow, it, incredible. That- um, I'll, I'll just say for YouTube now, this will be a clip. <laughs> this, this, yeah, I, we got to clip this one because yeah, I mean, I've heard no astrologers talk about electroculture and also talk about the new True. findings that there are in gardening and and all that stuff. And if you're hearing it for the first time here, we said it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, my Venus and Aries kicking in. <laughs> Take it. We won this war. <laughs> yeah, me, me. me. And while we're on that kind of like healing factor and even talking about the copper, like when in medical astrology, Venus rules, you know, the kidneys, the veins, urinary tract, the female reproduction system and stuff. Also, there are some aspects to the male reproductive system as well when it comes to it. But um, when in an underdeveloped um, maybe Venus aspect in that sort of way, or there's some sort of lack or excess uh, with that type of energy in your chart and stuff, there can be issues with diabetes, deficiency in kidney function, UTIs, and um, other different organ disturbances and everything too. Uh, but a funny thing about those, um, those those ones that I mentioned is there's actually copper treatments to help with those types of um, those types of issues as well. Like there's even even just like there's been actual copper being given as treatment for some of these things as well. Um, I think also copper helps break up the calcium um, when it comes to even, you know, certain problems with the kidneys, like uh, kidney stones and stuff. Um, but it, uh, what was the thing I was going to say? Oh, but also the other thing was to 
properly energize your water with even drinking out of a copper cup. That alone has so many healing properties as well. But yeah, like I said, copper is just a high level of conductivity for warmth and electricity. And, and yeah, it just, it, it, it helps give those functions back that are just more in a natural state. And that's what Venus is about too, is getting back in relationship with nature too. And it doesn't mean just go hug a fucking tree. Like it means back to the old ways, back yeah, that's to the old v- sciences. Venus Pisces. Yeah. Using the natural medicines as well. Homeopathy. Yeah, and I, 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 and no one, please assume that I do this because I don't. But there is a controversial healing modality out there called urine therapy, and mm. you could look into it. I'm, I'm never going to drink my own piss. I don't yeah. think. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but I do know that there are a lot of people that claim that it works. And you said it rules the urine and mm-hmm. urine uh, urinary tract. Yeah. So I immediately thought, like, oh, uh, you know, and it, and it has to process through the kidneys to be made right mm-hmm. to go into the bladder like so it has to go through that venusian part of the body and then according to people and please do your own research and don't quote me on it but um urine therapy is this new underground fringy thing that's going on where people are basically drinking their own urine and it's supposed to be healing like your body's making this nectar yeah um or this healing uh juice i, I mean uh, i know from strict, a long you know, time ago i was hearing it and then especially like around the time where it was like people questioned it when the movie dodgeball came out because there's that one line where it's like is it necessary for me to drink my own urine no but it's sterile and i like the taste like that was actually true not to like the taste bar but that was actually true that it it has a sterile property but that's the thing it needs to be there's a certain process to it that needs to be done you just can't go pee and drink it and stuff i mean i think you gotta you gotta like not distill it you gotta um something it's got to age it's got to be aged urine oh, jesus well, uh, we fucking fermenting yeah, urine yeah, imagine <laughs> like i i don't for yeah i got fermented, piss beer for you <laughs> I, I like 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 i just i don't know if i could ever do it but yeah. my point is regardless of what my beliefs are in drinking piss um it would be more so the fact that you did mention that it r- rules the kidneys and it, it rules the urinary tract and and that is the, a healing thing that is going on so anyway yeah this segment doesn't have to yeah. be clipped uh <laughs> Uh, on on drinking piss mm. but um but yeah so the that it's so the healing the uh when you were saying the partnership thing or like relatability mm. to nature or or i feel like it's anything that feels so good that it brings you back to self or that it it brings you to a calm state of being in touch with yourself mm. again you know it it reminds you this is who you are and that's why i think a lot of the times we like a relationship because somebody that we're dating will have an element or 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 uh traits or or aspects to them that we don't have mm. so it's allowing us to access we're living through our partnerships in a way and it's accessing and activating that venusian energetic part of ourselves yeah so that's what i also got because nature right like if you're gonna get in touch with nature in a Venusian way, what it's doing is, is it's bringing you back to the five senses and grounding, right? I feel like grounding would be a, a great Venusian thing as well, where you take your, uh, your, your socks and your shoes off and you walk on the, on the grass and the ground barefoot. And it's supposed to have this conductivity of releasing electrons into the body and supposed to reduce inflammation and regulate your heart, uh, your blood pressure and all of that. So that relatability and being at home again Mm -hmm. with the earth also makes sense so through other people and through nature and through anything else a piece of music 
right? I'm a musician. We know this by now. And there's certain things. I'm so sensitive to music and I can listen to, I could be in the worst mood ever, or I could be kind of in a daze and kind of be lost. And then I put on the right album or right song. And it's so relatable to that moment, or it's so relatable, uh, relatable to how I feel. And I know all of us have done this, that it brings you back home. It brings you back to, you know, homeostasis, I feel like would be another good word yeah. for it. And that's, and that's really what it is. Like, I mean, that's, that's Venus it, in engaging in those conscious relationships with yourself, with others, with, you know, like we said too about like nature, but like, that's why Venus has that, that energy of Venus is, um, in its most balanced, harmonized way would be a very unifying factor, not seeing separation in that sort of sense, understanding the polarities of it and stuff, but, but also realizing the necessity for, for everything as being one. So it, it, there is a unifying, uh, a unifier when it comes to that. Right. And I can sense we're probably hitting, we've probably hit uh, a lot of the marks at this point. So I do, I do want to, there's one more point I wanted to make about things you were saying, cause you had said also the magnetic, the magnetism. Mm-hmm. And it's ironic that they say the earth has a Taurus field, mm-hmm. which is a magnetic field and is the Taurus shaped like a Taurus, that the magnetic field is shaped like a Taurus, Venus, Taurus, magnetism attraction right magnetic Mm -hmm. so i thought that was uh extremely uh synchronistic when you were saying that as well so yeah the the venus to me the impulse and and capacity to create or to attract would be probably one of my big ones um to be loved or or how to love in your chart natally Mm -hmm. and uh and I guess to seek harmony, balance and creativity in your life and with other people through our relationships and all that. And that's kind of how I gist it down. Uh, if I had to kind of sum it up, any, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. I think also along with that would be another main importance is, is that whole self-worth that value, that mm-hmm. value that you have in the world, like how you see and come into knowing that as well. And like those types of emotional bonds and the way you learn all those aspects of yourself and come into deep connection with yourself as part of everything, but also understanding that how you love yourself is kind of how you're going to receive love too. So if you're treating yourself like shit, probably going to get that too. And that, yes, that goes a lot into, you know, more of like manifestation and that sort of area and stuff too. But I mean, there is something to say with that, um, as, as well. Um, there was something else I was going to say. Yeah, because I have a few like anecdotal things that we talked about before we started recording. Uh-huh. I'm going to bring up. Yeah, it'll, 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 oh, oh, that was, that's what I was going to say. Was also, you know, with it on too, too much about Venus is the, um, obviously, yes, it has a lot to do with sexual activity. Um, you know, not to, you know, especially with the cults of, of Ishtar or the cults of Inanna, like those things and stuff like that. A lot of, the cults were very based so a lot of the Venusian type cults and whatever different cultures they were with whatever deities they, they had and stuff too. A lot of it was based around this fertility thing. And a lot of it practiced in, you know, sex magic and stuff. Sometimes it's dark sex magic. Sometimes is more of a sacred type of thing too. It, it, so dark arrows. Mm-hmm. There was a book called dark arrows about that. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 you're good. Yep. Um, but that's, uh, you know, a representation of the the cultivation factor and 
you know, kind of acting out, you know, uh, you know, and cultivating those sacred, that sacred sexuality and learn how to honor that, you know, in this, in, in more of the beneficial and like appropriate state and stuff too, like this is where you could even do that work in, uh, sacred sexual practices, you know, some people call it sex magic or whatever and stuff. So, um, but learning how to give and receive and, uh, give and receive, I guess, more of those like balanced energies through, you know, whatever. And also to practice, you know, more so of a healthy sex. Don't be giving your energy to everybody and stuff like that in a sort of sense. I know we've kind of hit that in previous episodes as well, but that's also something you could see how to kind of, even with your Venus placement or even a partner's Venus placement placements, if this is something that's like more into you, like then um, learning how to kind of work in harmony and flow with the energies already present with your Venusian nature in your chart as well, too. And I think that's something to look into. I think a lot of people have that. You can, I think through that, you can heal sexual trauma. You can, um, you know, also have more, you know, I think it plays into even the whole uh, semen retention thing, you know, because yes, also, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. also Venus was known, you know, an Aphrodite, it's a sex goddess too, and prostitution and stuff like that too. So, but it's also showing us that there's, you know, the service of it as well, the act, the pleasure and stuff, but there's also the overindulgence, but also with that same breath, it's also showing us the, um, the virtue side of it, I guess you could say, and the, the, the more controlled practice of your pleasures and urges and making it more worthwhile and more valuable once again in those words. Yeah. And that's that to me that uh, that's like Saturnian, Mm. right? The discipline and having the authority over yourself and the, the inner authority to then conquer those desires and emotions uh, and pleasure seeking for the sake of the um, ascending energies and all that and and for uh longevity right because with the say with the retention it's like the spilling of the seed cuts the years off mm-hmm. you know makes, makes you age quicker saturn right so that could be the downfall of it where yet if you hold on to your seed or you don't have malpractice within sexual activity that you can live longer and mm-hmm. then that's a healthy saturn uh venus placement or uh, energy interacting together so mm-hmm. yeah i get t- i totally that's uh yeah t- like i said uh, i think that i mean with any of these you can really just go i mean it's just never ending mm-hmm. you learn something new every time but within the basic overarching stories to all these planets and all that this is with venus this is what you want to if you're first getting into it or even if you've been into it you keep these things in mind and then also learn the story of your chart. You can then see how and what needs to be done or how the balance can be made within your, uh, your, your relationships and, and your relationship to anything, uh, whether it is your family, intimate partners, business partners, mm. your career and all of that. Your Venus is going to tell you a lot about all of that along with other aspects of the chart too. So it's, it's, yeah, the more and more we do this, Geo, the more and more I absolutely mm-hmm. surprise. Well, I think we we surprise both of ourselves um, on how much we've we've how far we've come. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the thing. So, I mean, is there anything else you want to put in there? I mean, I was gonna. I I think what I'll do is uh, because, like, I was telling right before this, I came into something which I know we constantly hear about the Morning Star. Uh, um, 
you know, the evening star or whatever, you know, of, of, of Venus and stuff, you know, yes, it's a representation celestially of what it is and everything, but there also is this big confusion around that and it's representation to representation as Lucifer. And it's like, Oh, is it evil? Is it good? Like in stuff in that sort of way. And also who the fuck is Lucifer is Lucifer Satan or is he not and stuff too. And I've really, even before this though, like remember even when I bought the John Milton book and everything, um, yeah, we went into it on one episode. Yeah, we, I don't know which we, one, we, what episode, but we did for a little bit. We went yeah. a little bit and stuff too. But I feel like now I have more of the clarity, and I, I have some of the things to 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 back it up and to kind of better understand that to maybe clear up. But I think I I think what I'll do is I'll make that as a project, and you know maybe people will be interested to you know see more of that, even the etymological breakdown in that sort of sense, the cultural breakdown, and the historical side of even how that even came to be. And representation and then how it even turns into more of that satanic side of things and the cult like shit that you see i think it it was really eye-opening and interesting to me and it clarified things and i would like to hone in on a little bit more but i think i'll do that as more of like a separate thing because you know we we got a good amount in there and you know we've we've represented you know and said you know about venus also being ishtar which it which i'll go into all that stuff eventually and stuff um but yeah, Astarte, which we said, all that. Um, also, the thing is, we forgot to say, is Venus is Friday, right? Which would be also Freya, Freya right? Oh, they don't. We don't know if it's Freya or Frigga. It could be either war, but I think it's a little bit of both because they're Frida. Both. I, I think Frida too, right? Is that yeah. another? Is that the, Frig, is it Freya I think it's in the Norse? Frigga or Frida? Okay. It might be. I forget. How I, you it's know spelled. what I'm mixing it up with because you know my obsession with Attack on Titan. There's. Yeah. I think there's Frida. I think Frida rice is the main and she it's so funny because that whole show is based off of norse so i i but it's freya or freya i i do i'm can just i know right now at this particular moment yeah. i'm gonna confuse I'm, i could be getting it wrong but yeah the interplay with friday yeah so that could be like its own separate thing we'll go deeper into the more mythology well, well i guess we i could say it now that like i'll try to make it a point to do that with maybe some of more the extensive uh you know planets and archetypes which venus is one of those um so but yeah, there's a, there's a lot about that where it just there's a lot of clarification. So, hey, if you want to hear that and stuff, hit that like button, leave a comment and stuff. And that only pushed me to kind of break that down even more and stuff, too. So, yeah, well, content eventually like that is coming. Yeah. So. Trying to stay yeah. on the series, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're doing one thing at a time mm-hmm. considering and we all we live so far away and we're mm-hmm. doing so many things at once and. You know, we're not bullshit when we say, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it, it's slowly growing. And I think out there, anybody that knows the astrology too, Jupiter and Taurus, um, you know, the uh, retrogrades going on, the North Node and Taurus, it's all about growing things slowly and we'll eventually get there. We have the big vision uh, for intrinsic minds. Uh, it's definitely there and we're learning. Uh, we emphasize that we always learn as we go now. And I think uh, slow and steady wins the race. Um, I'd rather, mm. I would love to go viral at some point, or I would love to, not even viral, but I, I, you know, I'd love to have more people to interact with and to, and to see what we're all about. And then, you know, not only, uh, do we have inspiration to do more and to, to want to really get things going, but you know, it's, it's a, it, it's a Venusian thing, right? Like it's a give and take, you know, like, yeah. uh, the more we see, the more we get inspired. And right now we're at that point where, yeah, we can only do so much in the meantime. Uh, but mm-hmm. we we will get there for sure, and yeah, I'd love to see an extensive thing. Uh, you mm-hmm. do that, yeah. That it just gives me more sure. time to even even get that together more and stuff because it goes all the way into understanding even the cults of Moloch and all that and stuff too. And it it 
you know, it's one thing. Yeah, we hear all like the conspiracy side of it. But like me, I'd be more facet understanding why did it turn into that? You know, why did it turn into that? And what kind of significations can you find out of that whole process of how it turns into that and how it even turned into something evil? Like, because I think then you'll get to see the, the, the benefactor side of it and stuff, too, and kind of maybe be like, all right, let's get away from that and go more towards that as well. Um, yeah, I'll say this, by the way, that I think when things became evil or misinterpreted or, say, exaggerated for the sake of conspiracy or for the sake of dark satanic cults or whatever, you, you know, whatever stories and narratives that are built around these certain archetypes and planets and all of that, we just came out of the dark ages. You know, so uh, to me, mm. I feel like it's all still always up in the air. You know, we there's things saying that history the way it is that we're told isn't the way it was and that there's proof of that. And then, and that there's so many yeah. things now and so many things like the internet is bringing so much out that we do need to have this mediator. And that's what we kind of want to mm-hmm. play, right? Like the, the mediator of like, wait a minute, like this is also what right now the information is telling us. And our research is telling us that, yeah, you could see it in this conspiratorial light and that it's used for black magic or it's used to, Put, rub something in my in our face, which I can't stand that argument. Um, rub it in our face, right? Like, <laughs> here's a symbol. Ha ha, we got you. You know, it's so, I don't know. There's there's not much logic to that. Yeah. But on the other end, learning the astrotheological aspects to it, maybe where it did go turn wrong and conspiracy, like where it was, they're using these energies. Sure, yeah. I'm not saying it's not impossible or that it's not happening. But why ignore the other, like the, or, like dude, you're, you emphasize, man, the origin points, you know, and like the roots of where these things came from. Yeah, then you could see maybe more of like the legitimate side. Like when you get more closer to those roots, then you could see more of the legitimate practices and and why those were practiced rather than trying to look at them now, you know, what they may potentially be after they've been so passed down and distorted in some sort of sense. And, you know, then it's just about evil people trying to control the world in some sort of sense. You know what I mean? Like, so I think there's more, more value in that when it comes to it. And, um, yeah, I mean that's one thing. That's why I said Venus because a lot of a lot of the things go back to this, especially even what Alistair Crowley was says that do what thou wilt. Um, you know that whole thing. A lot of it had to do with more so of the overindulgent, you know, uh, free free loving and being able to just engage only in whatever you want and the deep pleasures and the desires and stuff and and not having any sort of. Um, um, uh, conditions on what you want or what you love or what you can have and stuff too. So you could see more of this dark distorted side of, you know, the overindulgence of the Venusian side. So that's something I would like to kind of like break down when we have a little more time and stuff too. But yeah, but overall though, when it comes to Venus, it's like, you know, through this evolutionary lens, it's, you know, you, the teaching of these archetypes provide us to learn how to integrate the virtues of these planets and, integrate them into our psyche and acknowledge where we may be imbalanced at times and also to learn how and how do we do that we do that with the right support the right love you know in and outward um and understanding uh of of ourselves and others and what's around us our environment having that better understanding i should say more so and then integrate these teachings into our everyday lives and look look at the waves created in the celestials and that energy and stuff too, when it comes to your chart and the current charts. Right. And let me, uh, so add a personal anecdote to that. Um, 
and mm -hmm. show everyone how the archetypes do play out. And if you look deep enough, or if you just happen to be lucky on a synchronicity, um, I did have a Venusian synchronicity that I had found out about a year ago watching, and I wish I would remember her name, but she was on either Kepler College or I think she was on Astrology Podcast, and she's a big asteroid lady. If I, if I end up remembering, maybe I'll even link her since I don't remember just to pay her respects. But um, in my own personal life, I'm doing research and I'm listening about my, you know, Venus and doing research on other things. And then I had fallen upon um, asteroids and it doesn't matter. My camera just went out. It doesn't matter. I'm going to share a screen. Um, so I was doing research on the asteroids and she had something on screen written Moira, right? So I had a band 10 years ago, Failure and Vanity. Uh, it's on Spotify and I'm not promoting the band, but I'm saying you could go look at the year it came out which was 2011, I had released an album called The Contender, and we had, a, we had a song called Moira. Moira in Old English meant destiny or fate, or the fated ones like you said, right, Gio? Um, yes. So mm -hmm. with that, I didn't know there was an asteroid named it. So I just turn on this random video, and she has Moira written on uh, a whiteboard. And she starts explaining, and I'm like, oh, wow. And she goes, yeah, you could look it up where it is in your chart. And look, Moira is not a common name. It's not something everybody knows. My singer at the time happened to just be obsessed with war stories and this and that. And he knew this from an old English stuff, stuff he used to read. And he knew about Moira. So this lady brings up the asteroid and now I have to go look. And I'm like, wow, well, where is this in my chart? And so I had looked and comes to find out that the asteroid Moira, and it's loading. I don't know if you could see it yet, but the asteroid Moira ends up being conjunct my venus in my chart and i'm a musician i'm a songwriter my singer writes a song called moira and it literally was about going to war and hopefully destiny bringing you back home to your loved ones so ironically with me having venus in aries and have gone to war in the song and talking about a loved one and returning home, and it is conjunct basically to the degree of my Venus in my fifth house of fun, music, arts, and all of that creativity on top of my Venus. And I, I like the odds of this, and I don't think anybody listening is going to really, to the degree that how crazy this is, it is. It's absolutely nuts that the fact that there was an asteroid named this and it happens to be conjunct on the planet of mine, which rules the arts and right and music and creativity in my chart. And so, you, you know, like I said, you go and you learn about this stuff and you read your natal chart or you have someone else do it and just, it never stops just synchronicity after like when I could, I wish I could like come up with some sort of odds for this, but the, it's, millions to one that this happens to be and a song that i had created 10 11 years ago that i didn't even name talk about destiny yeah right so it's incredible and, it really and what's and what and what i pointed out to you earlier too when i looked into that i was like wait a minute because you said it's you know you said it's the fates and everything and uh or like the destiny but also the the moira in ancient greek mythology also was known as the fates and they were personifications of destiny and they were like three sisters. Um, and they're also, when you go back to the etymology of it too, it's uh, Moira is the more and it comes from the ancient Greek, which means lots destiny. So that's why also, I mean, I mean that asteroid, you also have lots in the chart, like which are points and stuff. Um, but it's very connected to Venus as well, because um, Venus had a lot of, um, 
how would you say that? a lot of intermingling with even her counterparts through the sisters through through the the three sisters there was so many other not just three sisters there was other ones but it was part of her being able to um act out these things you know even for, for aphrodite as well um but in both the roman and and the greco-roman like greek mythology and stuff too the the moira play a big part in um in in with venus yeah, and that's and, and what did you say about I think some with Kronos and being connected to Venus as well, or right, or Aphrodite? Yeah. So also it would be known that its parents were Kronos, um Kronos, Oranos as well. Um they also say Zeus too, because Zeus just stuck his dick in everything, um, in the stories. So or kind of kidnapped and shit. So uh, yeah. yeah. So, and, and there you go. I have it on screen too. If no one, if if you're watching the video that you know, and this was 2011, and it's ironic too, because by the way, I wasn't really into astrology crazy, but the way that my had the singer had written the lyrics and the idea of how he described what the album was going to be about, we can and we named it the Contender. We we had said we wanted to have hands reaching up into the sky with one hitting this abstract object that you couldn't really tell what it was and it's ironic because on screen the album art it is a very venusian type of object as well very shiny mm. in the sky and it's and it's around the constellations right so it's like a hands reaching up into the sky and you know finding destiny right and finding finding the the uh, prized object uh in the sky in the stars and it's just it's it's amazing it's just the synchronicity is incredible um so as like, you know, and, and you guys got to know by now if you've been listening and if not, and you're just joining, like, you know, this is why this is the type of stuff that logically pushed us into this. Mm. I would like to see I would like to see what constellation Moira would kind of. Um, I mean, I guess. Well, it's located in Aries, I think. Right. Or how I don't know how fast they move or whatever. Yeah, but that's I mean, it's I'm an asteroid. It's an asteroid. I was like so thinking moves, I'm like but, Ursa Major, like I mean, or minor. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's, a, I bet you there's a deep dive you could really do on that to really look into, um, well, here's another thing to mm -hmm. take into consideration. Asteroids are supposed to move really slow because they're really far. The odds of an asteroid being on a degree and a sign are like, mm -hmm. uh, I forget the one that the one lady mentioned, but I think it was like the traveling of a certain, like, I think it was Sedna, right? Cause Sedna is about to go into Gemini and she goes that, ch that changes signs like every 400 years. Oh, wow. So what are the, like, that's my point, right? The odds of that asteroid taking 400 years to maybe travel around the Zodiac belt. Hmm. And it happens to be when I was born on the sign of arts, creativity, you know, relationships and, oh, and it's in Aries, right? War. And the song lyrics are about going to war. Hmm. And so it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. It really is. I can't express it enough how exciting it was to find it a year ago. And obviously me like, you know, bringing it up again. I'm like that. It's like being reignited. Like, wow, this it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, I'm in, I'm in love with astrology mm -hmm. and everyone knows. Oh, one other, one other synchronicity though that I thought about when it came to Venus was the fact that, like we said, Aphrodite came to be emerged from the ocean on Cyprus, which was like, also a colony of Greece, like, and so, so did, so was like Sicily and stuff. But when you go through the whole peninsula of Italy and everything and stuff, those were like, those were the Phoenician colonies all along the border of, of the Mediterranean. And you have the Phoenician 
which they had a lot of using of purple dye and Venus reduced purple dye. And you have the Venetians, the Phoenicians, the Venetians. Um, there's also the Venetian also in Italy as well, too. Um, and it has and it's a very um, it has such a just it's it's all re- uh, revered around Aphrodite, that whole thing. So it's just I thought that was a, a funny synchronicity when it came to that. It's um, never ending. And that's. And I, you know, I got to yeah. look more into the astro cartography and cultures and stuff. Cause I know even what was mm-hmm. it? The Mayans worshiped Venus as like the, how people would see not like the, almost like the ruler of the realm in a way, like the most, or the most important planet in the sky. I think it was mm-hmm. the Mayans or one of those type of cultures that really found. Yeah, there was there. there yes, there was the, that, um, yeah, the Aztecs and, and they, they said the Aztecs and the Mayans. Yeah. Hmm. I actually read that up. I think if you look up into Astarte, they have. Uh, if you look up Astarte, they have where that parallels, and then you could kind of like use the hyperlinks to go to um, uh, more of the Mayan Aztec representation of that with Venus. Because yes, I did see that. Well, I mean, I'm, I was putting a new battery in my mm-hmm. camera, but I guess you could uh, see us off on this and mm-hmm. let everyone know to like and subscribe. Yeah. That's right. Like and subscribe. Help get these videos out there. We're doing the damn thing. Move it along. Like we said, we're just building up things too in the background, and we'll be, we'll be, you know, we're cultivating that stuff right now, and we'll get that, we'll get that all going, and um, yeah, there'll be plenty more to come. So you know, as of right now, just like and subscribe, share the videos. You know, we got the we got clips that we put out too on social media. If you don't follow us there, follow us at the Intrinsic Minds on instagram um yeah putting out other intrinsic minds not just ourselves so it's always good and uh what's our what's our little uh it's not about what you think it's not about what you think but it's about how you think the quality of mind comes from that's right the not the content of your thoughts but how you're getting to places within your mind Mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's our little mo and we appreciate you all once more and Thank you again. Mm. Until next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.